1: Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog,
0: They're
1: wonderful lads that do a great job there, and it's worth reading about that man there, the rim
0: really better man. Hello and welcome to the Managing Madrid podcast. It is Sunday night. This is your host, Kian Sobani. We are coming um, off the back of a loss at the Benitovia Marine against Real Batiste 2-1. Uh, coming down, crashing down really hard after a classical hangover. Joining me to break this down is Om Arvin. Om, how are you doing?
1: Um, not great. Could be better. Um, was yeah, It was a bad performance and it was frustrating you know, basically, I think from minute one to minute ninety-five. Um. Yeah, I mean, we'll get into it. It wasn't
0: okay. There's a lot to get into. At the same time, I I was just like, you know, I was, as I was telling you off air. You could also explain this game in about like just a few minutes and get it done with. Naturally, the way we converse and the way we talk, this is probably going to take like five hours. But, um, I guess. I guess we can start here on. Um and by the way my condolences that you would have rather probably watched the Lakers Clippers game. Um but don't worry the real <laughs> games are going to come soon in the playoffs and that's the, those are the ones that you can't miss. Um When I saw the lineup I kind of already knew that something it just was not going to be fun to watch cuz um I can't remember the last time Casemiro Kroos and Modric played well together without without others also there, in and namely Fede Valverde and or Isco. Um, that trio, when it's just them three by themselves, they haven't looked good together since 2018. Playing this way just generally does not work or look good since Ronaldo left, and even then it was questionable, the methods they used. Um, but ultimately the chaos of crossing would work because Ronaldo could get on the end of a million different crosses. Um, in this game, it was not pretty. The, the build-up was not good. Uh, obviously, Ramjo playing without a natural right-back. And that, to me, also just explains a little bit why they had he had Vasquez and Militao there. Because you have two players who are not natural right-backs but are, have been makeshift right-backs in their careers. You put the two of them together on the flank, you just assume or you hope that um, the team will be secured defensively and you're not sure what you're going to get offensively. Although Militao did have a couple really nice diagonal balls into the box from his side and Vasquez had a million crosses. Um, so you had that, you had the right back thing happening and, and whatever scheme was unfolding, um, you saw the 3-5-2 sporadically, but you know, to me ultimately it was still more of a four four two. 4 um, And then you had, with Fetty on the bench, you had maybe a more symmetrical team than you've had in a long time in that you had actually Vinicius and Vasquez on the flanks, Kroos on the left, Mortich on the right, Casemiro down the middle um and so i don't know this this kind of felt more of like just the bad version of Real Madrid that we didn't like seeing over the past
1: couple of years so i think the fact that there's confusion about what even our shape was is kind of like the start of the explanation for why today just wasn't that great um you know first of all it's worth pointing out that in my opinion, the way we were set up offensively and defensively was different. Defensively, I think everyone agrees it was a back four, but offensively, it was definitely strange, and I think for multiple reasons. One, it definitely looked like you know Militao was forming a back three, and if that wasn't the case, then he was playing more of a reserved right-back role. And you had that back three, but at the same time, it wasn't really a, a 3 5 two, or five-three-two because Vinicius wasn't really playing as a central striker. And that's kind of, and I just have an issue playing him there because I just don't think he suits that role quite well. Um, he doesn't know how to effectively occupy, you know, the center backs as the striker or, or, you know, drop from that position to receive or kind of play off Benzema. You know, he, and he will drift to the wing. The issue is he'll drift to the wing enough that, you know, he's not effective as a central striker, but he won't do it enough that he becomes effective as a winger. And I think it was kind of telling that eventually when we, you know, made all those substitutions, took Kroos off, and it was, you know, really more of a 4-4-2 at the end of the game, you know, Vinicius kind of had his best sequence. Um, but, you know, going back to the main point, I think that was kind of what caused some offensive confusion with just kind of what the look was, because, you know, there wasn't really two players up front, you know, but also, you know, it was kind of a back three. And, you know, it, it that, I think... You know, if if I wanted to make an excuse for just kind of how messed messed up our offensive structure looked, i just kind of start there with, you know, Zidane kind of throwing out this formation lineup that, you know, we haven't really used all season and the players didn't know how to react to it. But at the same time, I just think, you know, even then it could have been done better, right? Like, I just didn't know what to make of Kroos' and Modric's positioning in relation to Casemiro and just what even was our plan for ball progressions. Because, you know, just... I guess just to kind of hone in my point, I'll cite the statistic. Up to the 69th minute, which I stopped there because that's when Kroos went off, um, Casemiro had had attempted 19 more passes than Kroos and 17 more passes than Modric. While having a passing accuracy of 84%, Kroos was 90%, Modric was 96%. So it was... our our midfield structure was so all over the place casemiro was the centerpiece of our build up and casemiro always logs a lot of passes when you play in midfield you log a lot of passes that's just how it is but very rarely do we make casemiro the centerpiece of our build up and for good reason that's just not his strength you know that's something we hand off to modric or kroos there was that, and then also there was much of the the kind of thing we'd seen much earlier with Zidane, which was Casemiro moving between the lines and trying to conduct things, conduct things there, and it was just, you know, it was a mess. You know, it's it was very hard to describe because there wasn't really that much of a structure, and we didn't really have that much of a way to collectively move the ball upfield, um, which will relate to the Benzema discussion we have later, um, but yeah, I I think like. The offensive problems stem from there, and it's kind of why at no point in the game were we really able to just kind of like turn a switch and start attacking Betis and creating lots of chances because we just didn't really have a ball, have a plan to get the ball up the field. Betis pressed, you know. It's worth mentioning that they pressed from this four four two, but. You know, I didn't think the pressing was all that great. You know, they had a midfielder stepping up a lot to kind of deal with our man advantage in midfield. And there were spaces in behind that we weren't taking. Like, there was just often no one between the lines to kind of take advantage of that besides Casemiro on occasion. Um, And yeah, it was just a very strange performance that kind of reminded me of the discombobulation from earlier this season you know with the caveat that like the lineup was different this time you know with this weird right back thing and then yeah i guess i'll just end this and hand hand it back over to you by just kind of mentioning that like it's weird to me that we loaned Odriozola when we did you know i can get if you think like okay Ashraf's coming back you know he doesn't really have a place here anymore fine but i don't see why it had to be done now and it's not like we sent him to a place where he's getting tons of minutes we sent him to Bayern Munich and he's hardly played at all
0: well, I, let's let's bring forward the right back discussion. So, but the the ball the ball progression stuff that you brought up was a huge problem because for all the reasons you mentioned, but also when you look at two of the best ball progressors in this team were not available on the on the field. Um, one of them was Isco, who actually was legitimately not available, and the other one was Fede Valverde, who was available but was on the bench. Which brings me to another. Um, well, I guess before I just even get to that, Casemiro did end up having the most passes of anyone on the field. He sat deeper than Kroos and Modric. Kroos was, Modric was actually like almost playing as a pure right winger in this game with, along with Lucas Vazquez at times, and and just hitting crosses into the box. And Kroos was kind of just trying to help um, Casemiro in midfield. The ball progress progression was a huge problem. Betis suffocated that flank where Marcelo and Vinicius were. Um, him, Vinicius, Benzema, and Cruz couldn't really do anything to get out of the press on multiple occasions, and and you know things sometimes happen when when Vinicius would go to the middle or him and Vasquez would swap flanks, but the passing was so bad in transition that they just couldn't really get anything going. Um, I just think like when you're playing, like I. Over the years, there has been, like, that moment in Real Madrid games where they're losing, and it's, like, break in case of emergency. They bring it out. Ramos starts going into um, the box uh, from a center-back position. In, like, the 90th minute, 95th minute, they're desperate. They're just flinging crosses into the box. They don't know what else to do. They start panicking. Ramos starts starting in. They were doing that when the game was nil-nil in the 10th minute. And I'm just not sure if that's the plan, I just get worried a little bit and all it takes is for Ramos to score one of those to shut me up and be like, Oh, well, see Keon actually Zidane's a genius, but that didn't happen. And I just questioned that, you know, with the amount of offensive fa- firepower that Zidane had on the bench, um, was there really no other way to get some offense going. And this is my biggest gripe with all of this. And this is the, this is the time that I really think that Zidane should be questioned. And to be fair, um, he took full responsibility after the game. He said it was completely my fault. I got it wrong. Um, we did everything wrong. Our and sometimes he'll just cover it up and say, look, like this is football. We know we created chances, we didn't score, they did. Um, the next game it will be different. He he openly went and said after the game that it wasn't just our defense that had our problems, our offense, we really didn't know what we were doing and it was just bad. Um But to me, um, this was this should have been treated like a final. This was a final because Manchester City that game is on March 17th, a long time away, plenty of time to rest. You have to win this game um, to capitalize on what you did in the classical, but just in general because you've been dropping points like crazy in the past five games. And <clears throat> if you look at the squad that was available today, this was, I think if you took a survey, but I think even if you asked Zidane himself, was this your best available 11? The answer would have been no. And it should have been your best available eleven. And and if you wanted to play with Fati Valverde, which by the way, like you you need him in a game like this. Anytime you haven't played him, you've looked really bad. Um, what's the point in saving him for a future game? Like again, Manchester City is is on the seventeenth. It's today is March eighth. Plenty of time to rest. Um, I mentioned this to now. This one will be debatable, but um, so bear with me on it. But. I mentioned this to Lucas. I actually mentioned this to you on Slack. I think the Marcelo performance against Castillo was a little bit overrated. Um I think the emotion he showed on the pitch and the the the, the save on the messy breakaway skewed our perception a little bit. His passing and position wasn't particularly particularly good. I still think Mendy's the first option for that for this and um Mendy immediately made an impact both defensively and offensively when he came in. But that's a that's a, that's debatable. So maybe I shouldn't emphasize that one too much. So the Fede one I question Big time. Um,
1: why did you need to rest them in a game like this? Yeah, I mean, I find that... I find that very hard to disagree with in the sense, like, in just your general point about not starting the best 11, right? Like, our next game versus A-bar is, you know, it's five days away. It's Friday. It's not even like we have, you know, a La Liga game midweek or something. Um, you know, with Marcelo, yeah, I think... Um, I I mean, I wouldn't necessarily have been opposed to not starting Mendy. I mean, to starting Mendy um, this game. I also thought the performance versus Barcelona was a little overrated. I didn't think he was bad by any means. I thought he was fine. I thought in general the classical performance is actually a little overrated. I thought everyone was fine. I didn't think anyone was that great. Um, I don't know how much Mendy for Marcelo would have necessarily changed things today. But, you know, if you know we're arguing that you play your best 11 then i think it's pretty much established at this point that you know mendy is is the starting caliber left back in the team um i guess you know i kind of want to talk about a little give my little notes about like what we were doing defensively because that wasn't great either um i don't know if you wanted to like extend upon any of the points you had made earlier um i
0: just i don't know there's like a million different ways we could go with it um let's i kind of just want to go back to the right back situation really quickly i think because you and i i mean now, now that i think about it, i don't know when was the last time you and i actually recorded a podcast together on a post-game show it's been a while um but i seem to remember us tabling the discussion with the because there was one other time wasn't there when real madrid after Audrey zola got loaned out that um this something like this happened where we had lost like two two of our of our right backs. Did that not happen or am I just streaming? I think there was a situation where like we were talking about Ordriozola getting loaned and then like about the maybe it was this. Maybe it was like the inevitable situation where this arises where you lose Carvajal and then you have no one there. And what do you do? Um I I still think that this is kind of like I know it sucks losing Ordrezola and not having a direct replacement right now. But at the same time this is another freak occurrence where, where Nacho isn't available either. So I just I just wanted to, to bring that to your attention. That's all.
1: Yeah, sure. Um though given how Nacho's played this season, I don't know um, you know, whether he would have been better than Militao. Militao had I thought he was interesting, fine. I thought there were there were defensively there were some weird there were some weird moments that I think might be over magnified and used to like ignore everything else, but I okay, so i I'll just get into it after like i I talk about the defense, I guess because that's more part of like some of the chances we conceded um, so like we were someone when I was on Twitter was asking why we weren't pressing Betis, but I thought it was pretty clear on 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 many occasions that we were trying to, um but it was it was not like the pressing that we'd seen that had you know basically helped solidify you know best slash second best defense in the league that had essentially gotten us to the top of the table it you know the same level of confusion that existed with our build-up I think kind of translated to the press as well I don't know exactly where everyone's heads were I don't know exactly what Zidane's plan was but you know Betis like were had kind of like a 4-4-1-1 formation and you know we were in a back four and so we we're pressing kind of out of a 4-1-4-1 ourselves you know, with the kind of the classic Benzema steps onto a center back, then one of our central midfielders come out and then, you know, we were matched man to man, you know, across the defensive line with Vinicius Lucas out wide. And then we have, you know, cover in midfield, right. With like Kroos and Casemiro. The issue was that Gonzalez kept dropping in between the center backs to like what often made it look like a back three. And we just didn't really know how to adjust to that. Like did, Casemiro step up did Crow step up should Benzema kind of shift over and we just leave the far side center back free and there was like I could I could not figure out what we were trying to do to deal with that because it kept changing every single time but we would we would send someone at him and because of that there were on many occasions when Fekir was was free in the pocket because, you know, yeah. he was left free because Kroos had to occupy Guardado. And if Casimir stepped up, he was there. And, Kian, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, three or four occasions, just a vertical pass, he receives, and he's away. Yeah. And Betis were quite bad on the ball. Like, you know, it, it this was not at all like the Kike Setians, like Betis, that like w- we've been used to seeing. They were not fluid at all. Like, the passes were all off. Like, you know... Maybe this could have been worse if they were better on the ball. But it happened enough times where those situations were threatening. And then, you know, just how we were reorganizing to defend counterattacks was like also super weird. Maybe it had something to do with transitioning to the back four. But I think it more stemmed from the fact that offensively, like we weren't sure at all what our structure was. Like there was this the moment where Joaquin had an open goal and he for some reason decided to pass within the fifty fifth minute. I mean, that right. That should have been 2-1 there, but yeah. like it doesn't even go down as a shot because he passed it and Modric was able to clear. That situation started from us just building up on the left. Kroos may have been fouled. Like I, I only saw it from one angle, so I don't know whether it was soft. I, didn't, they, I don't what, even
0: think they showed a replay of that supposed foul or non-foul or whatever it was. Right. So, yeah,
1: he, he goes down. Betis counterattack. You know, we're not, you know, we one pass through, Fekir gets on the ball again, no one is on him. And for some reason, Militao, and this is what I couldn't figure out because when I go back, I don't get to see how we got to that yeah. point because it's like replays before that. But I had for some question. reason, yeah, for some reason, Militao is on the left side. Fekir turns him, he plays a pass, and Casemiro just doesn't exactly know how to position himself, so it's just almost like goes behind him when he could have gone into it whatever like he doesn't get to that pass you know Guardado gets on the ball and the reason Modric is the only one there is because Militao is supposed to be on the right hand side and that's supposed to be the right hand side cover but he's on the left so the defense is all messed up and so it's a 2 versus 1 and, and somehow like we we don't concede there like you know I don't know black magic whatever though I don't know if we could say black magic today since we ended up losing but we definitely should have conceded and we didn't and it was just like, you know, there were moments like that, not as, like, extremely weird like that with Militao's positioning, but there were moments, like, where we lost the ball and we just didn't know how to reorganize our shape effectively, whether we were going to counter-press, like, stuff that we had been doing much better earlier in the season. um, Yeah, it was... All around like it was hard for me to really point out a lot of positives in this game. Offensively not good, defensively not good, both in our regular press and both in like our transition defense.
0: Almost any time Real Madrid gave the ball away, they were not in position to recover properly. And and, and maybe it just felt that way because there were so many giveaways that led to big chances. Like you mentioned the Joaquin one. By the way, that's the biggest problem with XG is probably that that doesn't even show up on XG somehow because it registered as a pass that was intercepted. Yeah, it, it's not. It's not there. So like yeah. we're actually
1: ahead of Betis and XG because that doesn't show up.
0: Yeah, um, <clears throat> there was there was other moments where Real Madrid's press was just so loose and so easily carved that Betis just got through everybody and then led to led to a shot and goal. The the Fekir chance, the Courtois, the great save by Courtois. We should note. Um, yeah. Was a cross giveaway. Giveaways were a problem all all, all throughout, um, whether it was Casemiro or Cross, <clears throat> Marcelo Benzema. Uh, Benzema obviously for the for the second goal um, conceded. Um, Vinicius and Lucas Vasquez in transition couldn't get anything going. Even though like you could like you know some things happened in the second half, like they continued to um, they continued to kind of try to knock on the door, Ramos trying to get in on on the end of crosses they kept crossing, uh, Mendy hitting the crossbar when he came on with his right foot. It just still felt like this team was so far away from a goal. And um, I just, like, it just, I don't know. I I find it hard for this team, like, to understand where the goals still come from. And the Classico was a really feel-good performance and win, and I'm not taking anything away from it. I wrote about it extensively, about how important it was. The reality of it still was that it was two unlikely goals, one deflection, and then one from the opposite side where where Mariano gets in it from a very tight angle. Um, you know, if, if you're relying on goals like that, it's going to be difficult. And I just don't think, like, this is something we've been talking about for, for years now. And it just gets highlighted. When you play like this, like without Cristiano Ronaldo, crossing is statistically the least probable path to a goal. And, uh, you know when you need to throw Ramos in there i just question like what what are we doing that's all and um again i just think like you know maybe you were forced to play this game with the players that you were had on the field but you didn't have to put these players on the field you could have put other aerial threats in bail if you wanted to play this way um who you know i haven't seen i for, i keep on forgetting Hamas exists in the squad to be fair he <laughs> hasn't he hasn't played well the last few games he's played in um. So I don't even know if you want to you want to use him. Rodrigo. You know, is another guy who could have probably theoretically help with goals. Mind you, I want to say like Vasquez. Apart from his passing, probably wasn't that bad in this game. Defensively, yeah. he was pretty good. You know, I don't I don't like to blame stuff on him. I don't think this was his fault. But I just think it was like a a mishmash of like a bunch of bad things: bad defending, bad individual passing, co- bad collective pressing, bad defensive shape, um, bad giveaways. Poudreaux.
1: Ball progression,
0: bad pop ball progression, no no scoring threats, toothless in attack. It was like a bit of everything rolled up into one.
1: Yeah, I guess this is when I guess I think it makes sense to talk about Benzema um, mm. was because he a we're talking, talking about in this
0: game. People brought him up. <laughs>
1: mm. Uh, apparently yes. Um,
0: you had a lot of replies on that on that Benzema yeah. Twitter yeah. thread on, on the managing Twitter as account.
1: I mean, we've had this discussion a million different times, um, but we always need to have it. Um, Benzema is interesting not just for today, but because it's not like offensively. I, I, okay, we were definitely better offensively in in previous games than today, but I, I think the general issues of like the crossing approach who's going to contribute without Ronaldo that was covered up very much by Benzema's really good form in 2019 um with Zidane right like you know there's until like you know recently Benzema had scored or assisted in like 50 to 60 percent of Real Madrid's goals in like Citrix article when he wrote about the offense I mean something ridiculous like that right like so in 2019 Benzema covered it up right like it was good defending, very good defending with Benzema scoring all the goals. And then towards the end of 2019 and into 2020, he starts to taper off. And I, I want everyone to listen to this very carefully because, you know, you're going to forget it anyway, but at least remember it for like five minutes. He, he, he's, his form has been poor. I, I'm saying that very clearly. Like no one is trying to dodge that. Towards the end of 2019 into 2020, Benzema has not been great and we cover that some of that up to start with with some Casemiro set pieces all of that and then that went away and now we have the offense where it is right with Benzema in in poor form we don't know where the goals are coming from and this is the issue right so then people will be like well why doesn't Zidane just bench Benzema right like you know what is it? Does Does Benzema have Zidane's nudes? Does Does Zidane just start him because he's French? I mean, like, you know, I I would I would actually look at evidence on the field and try to like come up with come up with kind of an answer to that. But you know, that's that's what a lot of people are saying. Like to me, and I've been very clear about this for a number of years. I was very clear about this in the beginning of the season, which is why I predicted. You can go to the article. You know, where all of our staff did our preseason predictions. I I very clearly say I don't think Jovic is going to have many minutes because Zidane needs Benzema. And and that's what I think people don't understand. They see it as an excuse for Benzema. But this is the clearest way I can say it. It is a problem when your build-up, when your offensive system relies on a false nine-type striker and can't really function without it. And... What do you do when that false nine type striker doesn't play well and you rely on that type of striker? So I'm not saying Benzema hasn't playing well, hasn't been playing, has been playing well. I'm saying he hasn't. The issue goes deeper than that. It's not just about Benzema not playing well, it's about the fact that his form doesn't matter to Zidane because Zidane needs his qualities to keep, you know, a flawed offensive buildup afloat. And that's why Jovic you know, for whatever minutes he's gotten, has not looked very good at all this season. And it's not because Jovic is a bad player, it's because he's a different type of player. And, you know, I think a serious question needs to be asked, you know, about Zidane in, in the sense that, like, can you create, you know, viable ball progression, you know, without someone like Benzema? And, right, like, it's bad. Even It's it's even bad today. We, we made complaints about the ball progression. When Benzema played bad, it's still bad, right? But there's a reason Zidane... Throughout these years, the three different seasons he's been here, four different seasons, he's stuck with Benzema, right? He's had options. Morata, you know, he was always a backup. You know, 2017-18, it didn't really matter, you know, that Benzema scored, like, three goals, you know, non-penalty league goals throughout the entire season. He was the starting striker the entire time, unquestionably in Zidane's mind. It's not because Zidane's an idiot and because Zidane can't see someone playing badly. It's because I think, in my opinion, Zidane knows that the way he designs the system requires someone like Benzema, and that's an issue. If, if if this is the the only way we can play, then essentially our offensive season is basically dependent on Benzema's form, and we don't have a backup plan. In my opinion, you know, you, you have to ask whether and and why Zidane can't kind of design a different system to be more accommodating to someone like Luka Jovic. Because like, people can cite all the strikers in the world, you know, all their pure number nines that they love. I would... That a lot of money that Zidane would still start Benzema over them because for Zidane's specific system and the kind of flaws that it has Benzema is one of the few players that can solve it and in order to kind of avoid this entire situation you need to be able to f- solve the flaws within those systems and I mean I I, I don't know exactly what the counter argument is to that because I think it's been really well established over you know number of seasons now with the huge sample size that we have I mean I'd be interested here on, on on your take on it and you know, whether you think I'm just wildly off or something. I,
0: thi- I think I think you're asking the right questions. I think the... Um, so the idea that Real Madrid need to play with Benzema, I think that's, that's... I would question that. Now Zidane might feel that way, and he might feel that... I don't
1: think they need to. I'm saying Zidane needs it. I mean... I, In I Zidane's mean, can-
0: mind, he needs to play him,
1: you mean? I mean, I think Zidane... Needs it needs it because I don't think his system functions as well without Benzema. Like, I, I can easily envision a number of different ways that we can play without Benzema, but all of it requires changing fundamentally the way Zidane's build-up has worked. Of all the changes that Zidane has made, you know, there's only once really been a time where I felt like the build-up is working differently than it's used to when it's when in half the times we played the Diamond... When Isco stays more disciplined between the lines, and then the buildup becomes reliant on what he does. That's the only time. So, I mean, unless you're you're telling me that Zidane fundamentally changes the way his buildup is with, you know, playing more between the lines, you know, all of that, playing different players there as well. Maybe I don't see exactly how Zidane plays a better team without without Benzema. I'm not saying that Real Madrid can't. I don't see how Zidane can without changing these things, and I don't know if Zidane will.
0: So I guess the counter-argument is to that is that Real Madrid has a lot of creators in this team. So let's. I think we should start with this exercise. This is, What does Benzema do? Benzema is an elite link-up player. He does a lot of great pressing, defending. He's one of the best at, in his position at just dropping into midfield and winning the ball and starting an attack. Um, he's good at ball progression. He's He links up well with the left-wingers who last year it was Vinicius, this year he linked well with both Vinicius and, and Hazard. Um, he's not a lethal prolific goal scorer consistently in his career. Um, when you lose Hazard, his his link-up play becomes more important. When you don't have Hazard or Isco, it becomes even more important. Uh, when Bale's not performing, it's even more important. When Asensio's not in, in the team, it's even more important. I think so I remember last season before the start of last season in the mailbag I I threw out the idea of actually putting asensio as the false nine instead of Benzema because asensio can score um he's a great shooter he's a great creator he's a great dribbler he can he can do all that stuff where he drops back and stuff he can probably play that role I guess the question is like when everyone is healthy in a big game I mean Benzema's not gonna get benched anyway we know that but in like if you wanted to like talk yourself into like giving him more rest like why the hell did he have to play against club bruges when the team had already qualified in the champions league earlier in the year um in those games could you could you try another creator in that role like could you could you try rodrigo in that role could you could you could you just tweak the system a little bit so that you're not you're not relying on this one human being over and over and over again in the same kind of buildup. I think, I think there is an easy counter to it that the, and and the answer is probably yes. Um, It is, it's a bit over reliant on the system. I think, I mean, I, and think of, and um, think of all of the versatility and variability that Zidane has game to game of all the things that are not variable is the, is the Benzema role.
1: Right. and, and, I mean, I don't know if necessarily the answer is is to just find someone else who does what Benzema does, because then I just think you end up getting more suboptimal solutions. Like, personally, Asensio's false nine is not a solution for me. Um, You know, you could think about Isco. Like, to me, it's to just change the system so you don't have to be relying on someone like that, right? Like, I'm not saying it's bad. You know, I'm not, like, on the other extreme where, like, You can only pure number nines make sense. I think there's a lot of value to to, to having someone of Benzema's skill sets. I just don't think it should be baked into the system like that. It doesn't necessarily function in the best way without someone like that, right? Like, so whether that means, you know, playing an attacking midfielder, you know, which may mean like, you know, it doesn't have to be the diamond, but it would mean sacrificing the midfield three or, you know, just actually changing the way your build-up structure works, right? Because if we think about how it happens now, right, you have Casemiro who is never really the ideal person to kind of guide the build-up. He's more of like a tertiary link. You have Kroos, who always sits deep um, because he needs to guide the build-up build up from the left half space. He kind of needs to sit there next to Casemiro. And then you have another player on the right-hand side who may or may not drift in between the lines, Um You know and try to receive there so generally you have a midfield that's kind of flat not much threat in in between the lines and you have wingers that generally sit wide and don't kind of drop in narrow to kind of you know to drop in in behind in the pockets to kind of receive there and threaten there so if you have that kind of situation where you have a flat midfield wingers are pinned wide alongside next to the fullbacks then really the only player who can drop into those spaces and, and work the ball up through midfield is the striker. I don't necessarily see why that structure has to exist. I understand that like with Casemiro there, you know, it's 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 kind of a trade-off you have to have because, you know, we saw in El Clasico, we've seen throughout the season how good defensively he is, but I don't know necessarily why the winger's positioning has to be the way it is even with Hazard, right? Like Hazard has often been deployed far wide, wider than I've seen you know him play at Chelsea. You know, and I'm not saying he hasn't helped the build up, like clearly he has, but you know, there are things you can do with the wide players, you know, to, to kind of make up for that. But at the moment it's kind of a situation where, you know, Zidane sees a flat midfield you know he wants the wingers where they are so he can have crosses and he's like well the man who can solve this kind of like inherent flaw in 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 the way we're playing to kind of make the way I want to play work is benzema and you if you if you slot jovic into that situation you know he's not completely useless outside the box he can do certain things but that's not his game and so you can solve that structurally You can do other things by playing attacking midfielders. I'm not saying there isn't a solution. I'm saying it's up to Zidane to find the solution. And I'm not necessarily convinced that you could just throw in other players without fundamentally changing the way things work and expect it to be better. And that's my frustration where the conversation happens. Everyone understands when Benzema isn't playing poorly. You know, to a startling degree, Madridistas are able to recognize whenever Benzema isn't playing poorly. Even when he doesn't have a perfect game, you you know, Madridistas are on top of it. But... They never seem to inquire deeper as to why, you know, Zidane, you know, somehow doesn't see, is is it that he's not as smart as us? Like, obviously not, right? Like, he sees something deeper. And, you know, I think when you ask that question and dig deeper, you come to more compelling answers to that, to why that might be the case, rather than, you know, Zidane is biased because he's French or, you know, he has nudes or something because, like, I mean that's that's not an answer, right? Like I it's funny sometimes, but like when that just just becomes like our only answer to this question, it it, you know, it becomes kind of old. Like clearly there's a different, you know, answer for that. I'm not saying I mean, I definitely think the the answer I put forward has a lot of like evidence behind it, but there's nothing to say that, you know, I'm I'm still wrong. But I'd like to see other, more compelling answers, you know, used to refute that rather than just like, you know, Zidane just has this Inexplainable love affair with Benzema and that's the reason no one else gets chances because I I don't think it's as simple as that like clearly there's something deeper
0: I think I think these are all really good points and questions to bring up And while we don't necessarily have the answer to them We can kind of just talk ourselves to it and try to try to find the reasoning behind it Um, You know theoretically a solution to this problem is if you You play you play Jovic and Benzema together and right. in a four four two, where if you if you want to if you don't want to rely on Benzema scoring, you want help with your build up, then that's an option. Um, and especially if you're good in putting crosses in, at least you know Jovic can help with a four four two. Part of the problem is I think that hasn't looked good at all this season so far since when we've done it. Um, now that doesn't mean it can't work, but the problem with going to a four four two this season also is that the team has just straight up looked better when. They've had more midfielders to control the midfield, um, and anytime Zidane has kind of unglued everything and taken off central midfielders in the middle of a game in favor of wingers, the team just has lost all control and all hell breaks loose, both defensively and offensively, like so, today a little bit, like today for ninety minutes, yeah, um, like against Manchester City in the second half, like against PSG in the second half. Um, so part of it is I think I think you can't you can't bench that extra midfielder right now in my view because all the all the team's best performances and control comes when there's midfielders and not when you're relying on a four four two. so that's part of the problem is if you want to play them together that means you're you're relying on crossing when once you do that it just does not have any sex appeal at all and it's probably not a very efficient scheme at all and it and it makes you suffer defensively as on top of that um i guess the other question is like you said like jovic is not useless outside the box and i think that's the key like so what and this is like, this goes back to our discussion about, like, well, why didn't Ram just sign a striker, you know? And, you know, around the time where Icardi went to PSG on loan from Inter, uh, I mean, we were, we had already had Jovic at that point, I think. But, you know, I've always been vocal about how much I love Icardi. But even I, who, like, would have loved to have Icardi here, and I was vocal about it, I knew and I said this publicly, like, well, you're what's the point of bringing Icardi in if he's not going to play? And and I don't know how many strikers would have to be really, truly good enough to actually get playing time in this team uh, just for the sheer reason that Zidane wants to play with, with Benzema in this role. And, you know, I question, like... Um, I guess, like, you know, Jovic, when you watch him with Frankfurt last season, he wasn't that one-dimensional a player where he just, you know, all he does is just finished chances. Like, you know, he he drops he drops deep. He works hard. Um, he dispossesses players too. He can he can be the ball carrier too in transition. He can uh he can do pass and move sequences where he you know he passes and he moves you know, he had the assists earlier this season at the burnabout to Casemiro in the Sevilla game, the back heel. He took that Osasuna goal like a champion, like a, a player who hasn't missed a beat at all. And it's so weird because we saw that Osasuna goal and then we haven't seen him since, which is which is weird in itself. I guess I just question like how how, uh, like how one dimensional do we think these players these traditional number nines are? Like they're so not he, that incapable of you know doing other. No, things. No, they're not.
1: They're not at all. But the issue becomes when you're asking them to do these things that are secondary skills for them almost all the time. Um, and you know that's part of the reason I like Jovic so much is because sure he you know he's just a very good goal scorer but also like you know it's part of the reason why I don't necessarily like Icardi as much is because I don't think I, I think Icardi is very one-dimensional whereas with Jovic I don't think he is like I think he can do other things and he become useful in other situations but the issue is when it's like you know Casemiro you no know, it's like taking like you know Ramos who's saying like he's you know he's a really good passer which he is and then playing him in midfield. And then turning, you know, something that's a secondary skill set into, you know, and making it a primary skill set. And essentially, like, you know, with the way our system is or the way I see the structure at Real Madrid, offensive structure existing, you know, we play with the false nine. And Jovic is not a false nine. He's a number nine who can do some of the things sometimes that a false nine does. So, you know... And, and and that's why I think, like, I, I think you could say rustiness, blah, 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 but I think that's part of the reason why Jovic, you know, hasn't looked as comfortable playing as a, you know, as a lone four and he's just been disconnected, you know, disconnected from play because he's playing as a traditional number nine who can do other things like play layoffs, hold up the ball, you know, receive aerial passes into his chest and then play it, play it out wide. But, you know, he, but he can't necessarily, or he's not used to necessarily like, you know, playing as an extra midfielder in many circumstances. And, You know, I I I further agree that like Jovic and Benzema has not looked great together. But I think I think that's going to take some coaching. Like to a certain extent, right? Like you know, you have to you you have to work to make it better. So the 4-4-2 maybe is not the greatest solution. But if you're going to do something today, you know, I guess it depends on how you see it. But I saw the attack as a back three with Vinicius sort of playing this hybrid forward role. You know, you know. Let's say we had a situation like this in the future. You could play Jovic there, but it would take coaching to play Jovic and Benzema off each other, right? Like, we we the reason we're saying Jovic is not one-dimensional is because he, he does drop a fair bit. That was kind of the role he played at Frankfurt. You know, it was Rebic who was running off the line quite a bit. You need to ask Jovic to do the opposite. So, like, it's, you know, it's a strange kind of, like, situation of fit, you know, and role and system but that's why you have a coach, right? To kind of navigate that, to kind of tweak things for players, tweak the system to adjust to new players. And I think for all the flexibility that Zidane has that many of us have rightly given him credit for, whether that's making substitutions, playing back three, diamond, blah, blah, blah. This is the one situation where he's been inflexible, mostly regardless of system. And I I mean, I don't know exactly how he's going to go forward, you know, trying to fix that because... You know, he's had several years, and this has kind of been the midfield structure we've seen. And it's always kind of required Benzema to come in, regardless of form, because of, you know, just the type of player he is. And to me, this doesn't change until that that changes, you know, structurally, or there's a different type of formation that actually solves it, like having an attacking midfielder.
0: I mean, to me, like, the one-dimensional thing doesn't bother me so much, because, like, you mentioned Ricardi's one-dimensional the reason why it doesn't really bother me is that like <clears throat> I think that also comes with its you know it comes with its pros and cons and its drawbacks and its and its uh and it's also its positive attributes is that um you know like it and it it, it kind of goes back to a game earlier this season where PSG beat Saint Etienne I think it was 6-1 and Icardi had a hat trick and he barely touched the ball and wasn't involved in anything else in Icardi and uh, Verratti, after the game was like you know, we don't care if he barely touches the ball because we just know when the ball comes to him, he's just ice cold and he can score. And regardless, I don't know. Like you know, Benzema's is kind of usually the, the the opposite. Like he, the more touches he has, the more involved he is, the more likely he is to score because he's kind of because he's kind of feels more hot in front of goal. He feels more warmed up. I just feel like you know an assassin like that, you know. When when Mariano came in and he scored off one touch against Clasico, no one cared that he wasn't doing anything else in that moment. You know, I think at some point you just need an assassin to put those balls in the back of the net.
1: Right. Boy. And this is this,
0: so this is this is goes back to Cristiano Ronaldo too. And and now this might be unfair, obviously, because one, it's Cristiano Ronaldo, and two, he was actually he obviously he was playing alongside Benzema when he was scoring all those goals. Um, but. Since Ronaldo, they haven't had a player who can, who can not touch the ball all game and pop up to score at the end. And I'm not saying Ronaldo would be a complete ghost, but he would have games where he wouldn't touch the ball and still be ice cold in front of goal. I think that player is like invaluable in the squad to have. Obviously, this goes back to your question of like, well, the the system right now re- revolves around what Benzema does, and so you know i just don't, i just don't think it's that it's it's beyond zidane to think of something else and um he just i think needs to somehow just try something else that's it that's all it is i and i don't expect him to do this in big games i don't expect him to drop benzema in big games but there's got to be somewhere along the way where like this guy just plays every single second of every single game and i think and, and this kind of sounds like we're just dragging Benzema now. I, I don't want that. To, that's not the intention. I just think that, like, I, I, I think the over-reliance is real. I think
1: want that to be the intention, but anyway. That's fine. On. But, you
0: know, a lot of these people are also just w- have been waiting for, for Benzema to slump um, in 2020, which he he finally did after a great first half of the season. But I just think, like, um, there is a crazy over-reliance on him right now in the yeah, mind of I mean. Man.
1: I mean I agree like even like even though Icardi isn't my favorite like just in a vacuum I would still welcome someone who scores at the rate he does it's it's about though accommodating for that player like the reason no one on PSG cares is because you have an entire positional system and a bunch of creative players who take on that role and PSG isn't missing really anything. I mean like, you know, would they be better if they had like Messi there? Of course. But like in reality it's it it would it would be more of a case if you had Messi was adding on to what you already have rather than like oh if you take him out like suddenly it doesn't function nah I mean Icardi doesn't need to do that stuff because the system doesn't require it to and it just so happens that like you know it's not really his strength either and I think you know Ikeon I think you understand that fully I'm just like you know more restating that because this is something I a question I get all the time that people just can't really seem to understand what I'm saying it's not that I I just hate players that aren't like Benzema it's about thinking about fit in relation to the system and if if we can make a system where it's not such a huge detriment to us when we play someone like a Cardi, you know, because we have other people or, or structurally we're taking care of it. That is the ideal, and that's what I'm asking to happen. In fact, and I'm not necessarily it's I'm not necessarily saying it's beyond Zidane either. Um, I would be pretty stupid to say that. You know after the ways that Zidane has surprised us you know with his pressing with the defense this season you know even some of the incremental improvements I've seen in the diamond even though that's still not my favorite but you know I'm just making the observation that up until this point and it hasn't really happened and I think we're reaching a critical point where it needs to and I think it really you know affects us negatively in a way it hasn't before if he doesn't find a way to and yeah I mean I guess to me that's the main question the main narrative going forward How does this happen? How does he deal with it? Um, You know, maybe Benzema somehow finds his form, but it's worth mentioning. You said he's played, like, basically every single minute. Part of this surely has to be the fact that he's already burned out, you know, halfway into the season because he's gotten no rest whatsoever. Yeah.
0: That that has to be a part of this equation because he's just played way too much. Um, All right. I think people got their Benzema fix. Um.
1: We talked about it for like 45 minutes.
0: Are there any any other talking points before we hit, hit questions, which will take us into a bunch of other talking points?
1: No, this was not an interesting game at all. Honestly, the Benzema thing was like the main point of contention. All right. Patreon.com
0: slash ManagingMadrid if you want to hear more Benzema discussion. Um, so Tuesday's Loan Tracker, which I don't know if it will be published on Tuesday. It might go up Wednesday morning because of some scheduling things, but... Um, it's it's gonna be an interesting one. so every week we do the loan tracker with Matt Wilsey and uh, we review Ram just players on the loan where we actually watch every Ram loanee over the weekend and we report back to you on how they did discuss kind of like everything how they're doing, what position are they playing are they how they fit excuse me how they fit uh in their current scheme um and and everything big picture stuff everything. And this weekend, we've already had Oscar Rodriguez sc- score two goals, after Hakimi score, um, Takafusa Kubo score. That's off the top of my head. I know, like, oh, there's a bunch of things happening with the low knees this weekend. So make sure to tune in for that. And if you want access to it, patreon.com slash managing Madrid. Also, you get your Castilla podcast, which goes up weekly. Um, the mailbag with Lucas Navarrete and I. And then also other stuff like midweek postgame shows, whatever. Um, Ian Marley. He says, I'm losing faith with the way Zidane is handling our youngsters who can contribute more than some of the older players. Jovic is no, nowhere to be seen. Neither is Brahim, even with all the offense he can bring. Rodrigo's, Rodrigo's on the bench for Lucas Vazquez, I assume to help Militao defensively. Hasn't Rodrigo shown he can do that too, and even have more output and attack? Uh, Benzema had such a poor game today, and continuously depending on his playmaking ability alone, is costing us our offensive potential. And taking off Cruz, sacrificing control, again after the city disaster class, I wish someone from the future could tell me what we would end up with this season so I could stop watching the games because they are so painfully boring to sit through, crossing all day, etc. I'm going to read a f- couple of these just in one go because they all have a similar message. Frederick Rantakiro says, I love the man with all my money to heart, but isn't it saying something about Zidane that he always turns to the flat four four two when we need to score? even though we always lose control of the games and create nothing. Uh, And Brendan Powers says, Such a tough match. Personally, I feel Zidane got the lineup wrong, and his subs were even worse. You take off Kroos and Modric and keep Vasquez on. I am most likely being reactionary here, but personally, I believe we are pissing the league away. This Barcelona team isn't good, and I know the Benito Villamari is a tough stadium to play in, but come on, that lineup isn't the way to go in there. Why Vasquez? Why not Rodrigo Arjamez, etc.? Um, Leon Stavranakis says, terrible performance on so many levels. Zidane's selection is not really realistic to begin with, but the players were terrible. If you just watched this team play all year and didn't look at the standings, you would laugh at the suggestion that they could be title contenders. And finally, Elian Zako says, this is for the Betis match. Enough is enough. The reason we cannot win this league is that we do not have any plan on offense around Karim But beyond that, when will Zidane realize that taking out a midfielder just not to take Benz off for another striker has never worked and will never work? Zidane's teams have fluid offense, or in other words, an offense that is built on individuals rather than a clear plan. Although I was never a fan of this mold, it is fine as long as your midfield dominates. And when we are clearly losing the midfield battle, we become exposed to all kinds of mistakes, etc. So... If I were to take one main theme out of all these questions, which are kind of like they're all like on sitting at the sable, same table, all these patrons are sitting at the same table right now. Um, I I do think it's a recurring issue that he does do this thing where he takes off central midfielders for wingers and just doubles down <laughs> on this idea that, you know, the best way to score when you're desperate is just to bombard the the box with crosses. I think that's a, that's a takeaway that I was hoping that after the city game would be rectified because in the clasico what he finally did was take off Isco for Modric instead of bringing on wingers and stuff and it, and it worked to close out the game. Um and I certainly don't think you can play this game again against Manchester City in 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 a week or so.
1: It's interesting because it was. I, I think part of the reason Zidane does this is because there was a period in two thousand seventeen eighteen where it worked, right? Like a couple of moments where like he'd do that, bring on Asensio. Yeah, you know, it was it was what we did versus PSG, and it, you know, it happened to work and it you know, worked there's a lot against of praise PSG
0: for, that year, actually in the Champions League. Right,
1: yeah. right, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Right against yeah. PSG, um, and you know, rightful praise for showing that adjustment, but you know. Different circumstances call for different strategies, and I don't know whether that is in the back of Zidane's mind. He kind of sees it as, you know, the same situation that this will still work, you know, even though you know we lack Ronaldo. Um, but I, yeah, it's it's quite puzzling. That's one of the reasons I could do. You know, I could say that, and two, it almost seems to be, it, it almost to me kind of conveys a lack of faith in you know Zidane's original system you know, especially like in situations where like, yeah, I can't remember who we were playing against, but like a couple of games ago where we were playing with the diamonds and I was actually praising how we were playing initially, you know, with, with the discipline that Isco was showing and, you know, we, our execution just wasn't good enough. And, you know, if we just kind of kept going and kept trying with that, you know, it might've been better than eventually taking off the midfielder, you know, and, and losing control and, and, and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, Either Zidane doesn't think that, you know, the original plan he's putting out just, you know, it hasn't been working. Or even if it is, he's just like, well, I don't have faith in it, you know, and I just need to change it. So it's one, I think, in certain situations, it's trust the process, but also maybe go back. And if you need to keep doing this every time, go back and reevaluate the process into what's bringing you to this point. Because, you know, we we can see quite clearly that this four four two thing taking off the central midfielder is not working in late game situations. And it's, you know connecting to an even larger point it's about Zidane reevaluating and kind of you know trying to re-strategize about this cross-heavy approach because at the end of the day whether it's plan a or plan b it's almost like we're just taking different ways to get there and you know you know that has to be rectified I think part of that is also linked you know to the rest of the conversation about the build-up structure and Benzema like it, it's kind of a whole thing it's kind of like you know whether Zidane wants to sit down and really reevaluate a lot of things about the way his offensive structure and ball progression works, and you know changing that so that we get better results. The problem with that, right? We're number one in the league. That is kind of a big task to take, and I can understand why Zidane what doesn't want to do that. I would just wonder why some of these questions weren't asked in preseason. Um, you know because. I, I don't know if this was too difficult to predict, right? Like, no Ronaldo. Will the same cross-heavy approach still work? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm
0: sure it was. I'm sure it was asked. I'm sure it was talked about. We, so we certainly talked about in on the podcast preseason, early in the season when the team wasn't playing well. Obviously, some of that stuff gets put to bed because they had that three-month stretch where the defense was phenomenal. Um, and they, they, requ- they were required, because of that, to score less goals. And... Yeah, this is a. It's a good question to pull. I think someone actually asked us on the mailbag last week or two weeks ago, where they were like, you know, when you sign Jovic, what's the plan? Because you obviously have internal discussions like, how are we going to use this player, and then you don't really see much of him. Like, what's the plan? Um, and those are all just like also valuable questions to ask. I think.
1: Yeah, valuable questions that we don't exactly have the answers for. Um, yeah.
0: I th- I think they they definitely like they they look at someone like Jovic, they see what he did in Frankfurt, they're like okay that guy's going to be useful again but it it probably circles back to the idea that it's it's hard for them to bench Benzema for whatever reason um beyond what we just talked about and um I think with with someone like Jovic I think you know you assume that he'll come good but you just have to be really patient with him and and it might go. It might be the Kovacic approach, where you know, start off really, really slow. We didn't see him at all. But then, like his second, third year under Zidane, um, he becomes an integral player. Um, is there? And anything- then we end up selling him. And then we and end up him. loaning him, and then selling him, <laughs> and he goes to uh, some London-based team, and he says, "I'm happy there, and I don't want to come back." And that's it. That chapter is closed. Um, is there anything we haven't covered yet?
1: Um. No, just that I'm super excited after this to hear about how, you know, we don't stop defending Benzema and we keep giving him a pass and you know, and we have this entire discussion one month from now. Just wanted to you know point out I'm super excited for that.
0: I think it I think it all stems from that one video you made about Benzema like three years ago, and that was people made up their minds and like be after the, whatever happened after that didn't didn't matter. Um. I think what was it like a, it was a video of his defensive work rate or his pressing or oh, yeah, something
1: versus Barcelona or something like when yeah. he won in the Super Cup yeah. but I think it was even before that <laughs> whatever we we say what we say you can take what you want from it that's that's your right
0: yeah that's how it goes um two people can interpret the same message completely differently and that's been like that for a long time on this podcast um at any rate uh we thank you guys all for listening we'll be back what's today uh well today's Sunday. We actually have a Friday night game against. Yeah, Avar, that's what i was saying. Which is, yeah, just, I mean, had... which is just nonsense that they need to scrap <laughs> that. Um, <laughs> and and then before that we'll have a uh, we'll have the loan tracker on Tuesday, or Wednesday the Castilla podcast, Thursday mailbag, uh, all over at patreoncom slash madrid. So if you want access, go over to that. Um, and also we just got a Cristiano Ronaldo signed jersey in the mail. Thanks to our patron Daniel Smith which we'll be giving away once we hit 1,000 patrons. So make sure to subscribe to us on Patreon to get involved in that draw and uh, get a bunch of other rewards. Okay, so shout out to our $10 plus patrons as follows. Mikhail Nilsson, Frederick Sundros, John Fernandez, Said Mahad, Balacio, Adam Dorsey, Frederick Rantakiro, Leon Stavarnakis, Christian Gonzalez, Bjorn Salvador, Essa Hariri, Elian Zako, Yahya Ibrahim, Willie Reed, Nick Ribeiro, Eric Rogers, uh, Tyler Simon, Sad Omar, Ola, Wapamimo, Ola Donjoy, Christian Toff, Charles Williams, Tark Sphere, Kunal Tilakar, Marin Myrtle, Tyler Dixon, Raul Gutierrez, Raghav Potluri, Jeff Thurston, Gary Cohut, Tanya Marilisa, San Francisco Bay Area, Brandon Stevens, Kasper Moscala, Katherine Fagundo, Zoran Bosnich, Rafael Servia, Karen Scherer, Somanchu Singh, Bernan Powers, Nelson Mazariego, Umar mahari Rovi Takiev, Anthony Armesto, Shabaz Sharpa, Varun, Ashik Bashar, AMB six nine zero one, Faisal Hamdan, Alex Perez, Muxi Thangal, Sergio Arispe, Graham Gerard, Basil Adil, Kevin Rivera, Michael Kruchon, Zafar chowdhury Keith Lizenby, Hassan chowdhury Adrian Holland, Anderson, uh, Ishmael Montaser, Magnus Lex, Jason Fitz, Solomon Ortiz, Fabian Moreno, Daniel Smith, and Philip Hammer. Thank you guys so much. That is a long, long list that keeps growing. So thank you for your support. Marvin, thank you for joining the show. And Hala Madrid.
1: Hala Madrid. Sports Social Podcast Network